Welcome to Pier Glass Poetry Spotlight Number One, where we will visit one poem and its author. I'm Stan Galloway, your host, and I'm very pleased to look at Come Slumberless with Tracy Brimhall today. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Tracy is the author of four books of poetry, most recently, Come the Slumberless to the Land of Nod. Her work has won numerous awards, including the Barnard Women Poets Prize and a Poetry First Book Award from Crab Orchard. Let's start with the poem. All right, here's Come Slumberless. If blood sings from the ground, its song floods the bones of prodigals. Paradise is for homebodies. The rest of us bear the mark of our wandering. In the amethyst hour, I tape down my breasts. On stage, in my doublet, my love asleep. Banish second chances. Let me stay in the hour of radiant dust and a prince's doom, dancing to the soundtrack of God spinning zeros on the record table, a scratched black night of bloodied milk, and an art that prepares itself for accidents. The ticks in the trees drop at the smell of children. Jesus swings from the bells. My Bible, the color of a scab and all my lines in red. The merciless lullaby sings sin-bitten, hungering like the heaven it doesn't resemble, like the hell it does. Like hell, it doesn't marry the hungry to the sinners. The lullaby's mercy ends like Jesus, faster than a thief, but still forever. All his scabs redden like parables, and the small fears swell like a tick in the child's ear. Art like blood in the milk, record like black in the silk. God dances to a soundtrack of scratched zeros. Prince by birth, a king by death. On stage, I double. I banish sleep, embrace my second chance. Mark my wandering, how I bear it. A body is a home, is a prodigal's paradise. In the trysting hour, I tape down my breasts, call blood to answer the flood singing in the field. Thank you. That was a very nice reading. Uh, in an interview with Writer's Digest, you said, I need rules to keep from cluttering up what the poem is trying to say. I often create some sort of formal restraint on my work sometimes before beginning, sometimes after I've finished a draft. What can you share with us about uh, the rulemaking process in this poem? Um, well, the idea had been um, that it would be mirror sonnets. Um, so they would be two 14 line poems that would mirror each other. Um, kind of because like in love sometimes end up mirroring each other. You mirror each other's language. You start taking on sometimes aspects of a personality. You might develop a, a, a tick in some of your vocal speech habits or in your personality that uh, reflect the other person's interests um, just because you're around another person so much. Um, the, the poem itself is, is definitely an elegy. Um, I was, uh, this book, uh, the book is Come the Slumberless to the Land of Nod, and this poem is called Come Slumberless. And I did... I think I tried every single form. I tried sonnets. I tried Sestina. I tried Villanelle. I tried Pantoum. I tried every single received form I could think of um, because I thought if I took my grief and all of them had, every single one of them had uh, at least the vocabulary, if not full phrases that were in this poem, it exist in these other poems. So they all just echo and chime. And it's like, I tried 
I, I called it like my ingredients of grief. And I thought if I just, just sort of like Italian food is all just remixing pasta, cheese, and sauce, right? Um, trying to like take these ingredients of my grief and remix them different ways. And I was like, maybe in one of them, I'll end up learning something about myself, my grief. Something will come out that I'm not expecting if I just follow the rules. Um, but I stuck at form. And I never wrote one that I liked. And though this one is called Come Slumberless, it doesn't appear in the, po- in the book. Um, I sort of felt like all of the poems I tried under those rules were failures. Um, though I did see a call for mirror poems and was like, oh, I've written one of those. Um, but at least in terms of satisfying me as answering my grief, I kept repeating my questions in different forms, but nothing ever arrived in the poem that was unexpected or that like taught me something new, um, which doesn't mean it's a regret to write them. I think it's really important to fail in general in life and learn from it. And I think it's really important that poems are places you can play and fail and learn. Um, and the consequences are basically non-existent there. Um, you can just suck at it <laughs> and then try something else, um, which is really refreshing. But it was interesting that the process reminded me of grief itself in that it's very repetitive and you try and put your grief in different containers, but it, Nothing ever satis- feels satisfying as a way to hold the grief or carry the grief, but you keep letting it change shape to see if it becomes any easier or, you know, shows you anything new. But it kind of just kept showing me that I suck at form. <laughs> that's all I learned. <laughs> uh, well, and, and that that's an interesting uh, revelation for all of us. We need to know what, what we succeed at and what we don't. And, and success isn't always measured uh, the same way. And uh, and so you mentioned that you you had this call for a mirror poem, uh, and it was published in the anthology "The Eloquent Poem" uh, under that category. And uh, I don't know that if the readers could hear that there uh, looks like uh, the middle of line fifteen. There is that turning point where uh, you begin to back out of the imagery that you have worked uh, worked through up to that point. Um, and I wonder if if the mirroring also uh, says something about the subject matter of the poem and not just the form itself. Um, yeah, so and also because of the sonnet, I, I, I mean, I, who doesn't think of Narcissus, right? Like looking at the reflection and like then kind of drowning in your own reflection. And I think grief can be myopic that way and it can be a little bit, I don't know, we're all entitled to our grief and it's not a judgment of anyone's grief, but it can be a little bit self-indulgent. It can become um, a little bit of a way that we, uh, it's hard to know, like, how are you, are you processing your feeling? Are you wallowing in it? Or I always say like, what is the opening of the wound that allows it to be debrided and cleaned out? And what is just licking the wound to keep it open? And I don't get to say uh, what's, where's the line for other people. Um, But there is that, I don't, I don't think it's, um, for me, it also offered just kind of like, ooh, I get to like unzip the language and rewind it. And as a language play exercise that just delighted me of like, how could I, you know, change, you know, the syntax and the order of the words and what would that create? What would come out of that play that might be satisfying? But I did think about, uh, you know, I hate mirrors um, in part because I, I don't um, experience my own face <laughs> um, other than about like two minutes in the morning and two minutes before bed <laughs> when I brush my teeth. Um, 
but other people see that experience of me, but that's not my own experience of myself. And even a mirror is an inverting. Um, and sometimes we have this chirality confusion of like where we think our face is supposed to be. People were doing this trend on TikTok too, where they had their, their face double and they would see it the way other people saw them because they're experiencing it in a non-mirrored way. And they were totally freaked out because that isn't even a way they'd ever see themselves. It's only through a mirror, which is a false representation anyway. Um, so I, I hate mirrors, um, but for, uh, for the poem itself, I thought it was a really fun experiment though. And I thought I got good lines, but I never got good meaning. Um, and maybe that's also true about a mirror is it can teach you something. You can look into it, you can make adjustments. Um, but I don't know that mirrors ever provide us good meaning for ourselves. A good chance to know you've got a booger <laughs> or whatever, you smudged your eyeliner, but it's not really teaching you um, about yourself sometimes. Um, sometimes it can, but in this case it failed uh, in, in, so many, uh, in so many ways. But that doesn't mean it wasn't a pleasure to write. Well, and I don't know that, that the, the poem fails if your intent was the wordplay. Right. Uh, and so in that regard, you know, I, I delighted as well because it wasn't just the repeating of words the way a sestina might do, but it, it was the, the transformation of words. You know, uh, for example, doublet in the first part becomes double, you know, toward the bottom. You know, it's a form of the word, kind of like the mirror distorts as well as it reflects. Um, and so you get something a little bit different. Yeah. Um, thank you for that that insight. Uh, is there anything else that you would like someone to know about this poem? What would you like the reader to find? I mean, I, I, I thought it was a trash poem, so I didn't <laughs> even think about who would read it. Um, and, and you're the first person who's ever asked about it because it didn't end up in a book. It wasn't published in any other way in a journal. or So, like, it is just sort of like... Um, a breadcrumb I left on the ground of my own grief, you know, as I wandered around in it and tried to make sense of it. Um, and I wish more than anything, more than something in the poem, I wish they knew this story behind its creation, that it is a failure and that this is how I tried to understand myself. Um, and rather than a finished product, this, it, it's okay that, I mean, and I don't mind that it's like in the world, whatever. Um, that's totally okay. That not every piece is a piece I feel finished with or that is best representative of me. Um, but I had a friend tell me that play is our first profit. And that's just been sitting with me for a while now. And I like the idea that, and I need to keep returning to this idea that poems should come out of questions and out of play. And you encounter something in that, um, that hopefully is real and can connect you with others and teach you about yourself and all of the good stuff you want art to do. Um, but I, I hope if anything, people could stumble across the story of the poem and know that it was just a little, just a little failure. Um, and that play is a good, is a good purpose. Play is a good reason to write something. Um, we tend to write out of, I wrote out of urgency for so long because there's so much I had to get out of myself, but also like play is a good invitation play and just like the the quote from the beginning of creating formal rules um I, I find that really helpful because i can be as the poem was quite weird um i can i can just keep spilling forth i am my imagination is like limitless it can just keep dumping out more weird stuff and so the form can sometimes be like okay girl tidy it up like make it make sense <laughs> may help me help you here um and so the form kind of 
becomes like gives it the shape, gives it the container so that I can decide like what's really important, what needs to be here. If we're looking for mirrored sonnets, what lines should I, you know, be cutting here? What's gonna, you know, and in that case, I had to like first decide like, okay, I liked this enough that now let's see how it looks in the reverse side mm -hmm. on the back side of that, um, those, that language. Uh, but yeah, I just want people to know it's okay to play and that's all it is. It's okay if it's a little meaningless. It's okay if it's, I always encourage people to have one night stands with their poems. I just like make something to enjoy it um, and not to have to torture everything into a final draft, to put it in a journal, to publish in a book or to, to just have art that you make that's just for you. That's just for fun. Um, that doesn't have to have a goal or an, like a final end product with a gold sticker on it, you know? Um, I hope people find that out on their own or find that story about this poem. Well, we're grateful um, that uh, the eloquent poem picked up that uh, breadcrumb that you had left for us. And now the next time someone asks, you can direct them to Pure Glass Poetry where yes. the story is told. Um, and we'll look forward working together at work and at play uh, with poetry. So thank you for joining us today. Uh, yes. Tracy Brimhall teaches at Kansas State University and her work can be found in many anthologies and journals as well as her own collections. You can learn more about her at tracybrimhall.wordpress.com. For Peerglass Poetry, I'm Stan Galloway, wishing you a poetic day. <laughs>